Welcome to another episode of the Wealth Easy Show, where we talk all things wealth, health, and real estate. And today, my guest is a 35-year veteran in the financial services industry. He spent multiple years qualifying at the top of the table at the Million Dollar Roundtable. 15 of those years have been spent coaching some of the elite producers, including myself, in the insurance and investment business in USA and Canada. He's the founder of the Courageous Advisors Mastermind Group, the producer movement, the game time coaching program, and the $100,000 challenge. He's my coach, my mentor, and someone that I call a friend, Trent Fortner. Trent, thanks for being on the show. Oh, thank you. Thanks for having me. Honored to be a part of this. No, I was I was really excited to get on. Sorry, go ahead. It's great to see you doing so well. I'm I'm excited about this. Well, I owe a lot of it to you too. And I was really excited because I've been in the business for 25 years and I know that every time we have a conversation, I'm always learning something new. So I'm really excited for our conversation today. Oh, thank you. So you just had an event this, uh, this past weekend. Tell us about that event you had. I know I couldn't make it, but, uh, you had a lot of, uh, a lot of faces that I recognize a lot of some of the top producers in the USA and Canada at your event. Yeah, we had a great time. We had, tw- I think there were 25 in live attendance not the same 25 for each day, but 25. And uh, we had probably eight speakers. Uh, one of them uh, who, you know, Garrett Gunderson, friend of mine who I got to uh, coach when he got started in the business. He's written several books, very productive. And I uh, look forward to seeing you with him in a few, I guess, a couple of months now. Yeah. Well, December, yeah, it'll be, we'll be yeah. in Utah together. We had a fascinating event. You know, I've, this is my uh, 15th year as a, as a, as a coach of doing at least two events a year. So what is, I know I, one year I did six. So we probably have now done about 40 events in the last 15 years. And I think this may have been one of the best uh, outcomes and experiences for everyone who attended, including me. A lot of fun, a lot of, you know, a lot of things in people's hearts right now. So it was good to be able to move from numbers and math and the reality and bringing and bringing those things to people's lives. Um, sorry, you missed that one. I can't wait to have you. Yeah, <laughs> don't tell me it was the best one because I missed it. I know. I love doing the events because I always take away something new that I can take back and work with my clients. You know, you've had such an impressive 35 year in the business. Can you talk to us a little bit about your journey from your early years and now to becoming a top, top coach in the industry? Yeah, um, Started way back in 1989, first as an accountant and moved into the insurance world hesitantly. I didn't want to be an insurance agent. Um, but Not I was going to start out that way. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And it, it, I came in at the right time, though. I had a cousin who, uh, who was young with a baby due and a baby in the back seat, and he was killed by a drunk driver a couple, week, couple of blocks from his house. So he wasn't a client of mine, but I had just helped him through his group benefits that had helped a lot. So, uh, you know, a lot of young people think they're invincible. And so I I guess I got in at the right time and got to see the benefit of it, of the backside of life insurance um, from a claim standpoint to start my career. And then as I was going, John, man, I didn't know what I was doing. I was, when I first started, I was like everyone else, I was calling everybody. I became really good at software and I was so good at the software that the company promoted me to be a sales manager because I was good at software. What I really was, was a good assistant at that time when I first started. I happened to have had the uh, agent of the year and the new agent of the year in my unit. And I got to say that year, it had really nothing to do with me other than getting ledgers and illustrations out as fast as I could to help those guys. But I got a with the Guardian Life Insurance Company and 1990, I think it was, I got a uh, presidential citation award that said I was a great manager. I didn't feel good about that because my income wasn't very high. I knew I didn't really deserve that quote unquote accolade. Um, And I wanted to do more. And I was introduced to a system called the LEAP system in 1992. And then in 93, I actually bought into that system to learn how to uh, better uh, to teach people how to better utilize their financial decisions and have a system a filter if you will Robert Castellano 
That's right. Bob Castellon. He came to the three-day school in Nashville. This is what impressed me about him when it first started. Okay, he It was snowing in Nashville. It was snowing in New Jersey, where he's from. He said he called the Toyota dealership and ordered a car over the phone and said if they could get the forerunner to his house, he would buy it. And they did. And he drove to the airport and came on down. I thought, well, okay, that's pretty cool. So I really, I really learned that system quickly and became uh, a national trainer with them within about two years of using it. And I realized with that system, if I helped enough people find a way to improve their life financially without any additional outlay of their living expenses and take less risk, that I could be one of those million dollar income earners. And fortunately it did, uh, did that for many, many years. And I think my best year was around 5 million a year. Uh, and That's impressive. Were, well, it took a lot of us to make that happen, but it happened. And uh, it was fun. And then about 15 years ago, I transitioned from being an advisor to being a coach. Uh, and it wasn't necessarily what I wanted to do, but I found my way there, uh, overcoming some mistakes I had made on other businesses that literally cost me my license. And I learned from that. And uh, I'm now what I would think that I think that's that experience. Right? That experience taught me how to keep people out of messes. That experience taught me how to be really good at asking questions about risk and to help people be uh, both transparent and vulnerable in their approach to asking themselves, where am I right now? What's the truth about where I'm at? And how can I improve this? How can I, how can I do something better without, without losing? Because, you know, I think if I ask you the question, John, would you ever intentionally and consciously lose money? What, what would be your answer to that question? No, never. Yeah. If I had, consciously known of some of the risks I was taking at that time that caused me a mess, I would have intentionally done something different. Today, when I talk to people, I ask them that question and we get involved in their lives. And most people are just unconscious of the amount of money that's getting away from them. Oh, Where I see it all the time. Yeah, I know you do. People are unconsciously walking through life, having no idea what their investments are doing haven't a clue even of what their investor DNA is. And yeah. I say to, you know, I say to clients all the time, what's your investor DNA? And they have no idea what I'm talking about. It's like your investor DNA is what you know best. And if you don't understand investments, why are you even putting your money in these things? And people have no clue. And they're just unconsciously walking through it. It's just a mess. It's a great point. I would consider that gambling mm -hmm. or, or just winging it. Right. Cause they, they just hope things work out. Everything's based on hope. I had this conversation this morning with 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 a, a Zoom call. Someone reached out to me and they they want my help, and you know they're talking about how they have a a universal life plan and their investments. And someone their advisor showed them that well, based on my universal life, if I've got so much money in there after so many years, it self funds itself. I said nothing self funds itself. How, how can you say self funds? He says, oh no no no. You know with these investments, if the illustration is doing so much percent per year, I said is there any guarantee that these investments are going to perform at this amount of eight, nine, 10% a year? I said, do you have a guarantee? He said, no. I said, then you have a hope. You're hoping and hope is not a financial plan. Do you want to build your financial retirement and your future built on hope? He's like, no. I said, well, what you got is a hope plan. I give guarantees. That's good. That's very good. You know, a lot of those products you just mentioned, that type of product has never done in 30 years what they're presenting it to do. Hasn't no. done hasn't done that yet. The only one that has is the one that you're talking about with the guarantees, the whole life type product, um, which leads me back to something. You know, you mentioned at the beginning that you're one of the guys that have gone through here. I'm your coach. You said I was fortunate that I was 15 years ago introduced to another advisor in Canada who I'd known previously, and he introduced me to 40 or 50 advisors in Canada. And I've had just a, an absolute wonderful time working with people like like you, you're one of the elite, I would say, who go out and take action immediately after you learn something that you know would be valuable for your clients. What, Both from an advisor standpoint and a client standpoint, I go back to that question, intentionally 
conscious and intentionally. If you discover that something's going on right now that is costing you wealth, whether you're an advisor or a client, and you see that you're going to be losing if you stay on the path you're on, then the first question better be, is there another path? Is there something that would be better? You've asked that question. You've asked that question of me. You've asked that question of your own clients. And then when you, with evidence, not hope, as you said, with mm -hmm. evidence, go describe, define, and provide the evidence of what that improvement would look like and how you could change when things change so that you are flexible, not pressured by change, but flexible to take advantage of change. Then there, that, that provides a way of certainty of winning. You also mentioned contracts with including insurance and you do a phenomenal job in the insurance world. When we're, when we're combining a guaranteed event, which is the end of life with a guaranteed contract that gives you permission to live right now. And all this other stuff that we accumulate and we build along the way, you get to use while you're here guaranteeing that you're going to replace it for those you care about when life's over. Now you don't have to wait and hope. Yeah. Now and you, you know what? And I can talk to that because I spent 17 years of my career, my 25 years, I spent 17 years being that traditional advisor who was selling on hope. And it wasn't until I met you that you showed me a different way. And I was, I, 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 we got hooked up because of um, uh, a top producer in, in, in my MGA and uh, I went up and asked him, I said, why are you number one? What makes you so good? And he says, do you have a coach? And I said, no. He said, well, I got to meet you to my coach, Trent Fortner. I said, if he's made you number one, I want to meet with him. And I think that was, uh, that was about eight, nine years ago that, that, uh, that we connected, you know, and I had sold my book of business because I was no longer happy doing what I was doing. And I realized that I wasn't creating wealth for my clients. I was creating wealth for the banks because- what I learned in my 25 years is there's, there's two ways an advisor can help your clients. One is the traditional way, which I was. I was an asset gatherer and I would show people what they're currently doing and showing them better products that possibly, possibly could pay a higher rate of return based on historical performance, which included taking on higher risk. The other way that an advisor can help their clients is showing them, taking their current resources and just showing them to be more efficient with their money and plugging their financial leaks. And you taught me this, it's finding lost money. Can you talk to my listeners about how you find lost money for people doing what they're just currently doing with their own resources? So, and again, I want to commend you on the way you took action to one, investigate what we were talking about. Then you applied it and then you tested it and then you took it to your marketplace to prove this to be true. So congratulations on you for doing that. How do we do that? So I have learned over my career that a lot of times people will move faster to avoid the pain of loss then they actually will for the possibility of gain. And so we go and look for areas where we know there are planned losses in their life from the end because of the financial institutions. And what so, are those, what, what are those planned losses? Great question. So there's, there's three or four planned losses. You're going to have the ongoing taxes that you have today that you know about. And when you pay revenue Canada, a dollar in tax, then you've lost the ability to take that dollar you just spent and save it or invest it in something you've already done. In fact, if you've got the ability to use it for something of value, that might be a greater a, a greater return than a rate of return because you've got to enjoy the fact that you got to keep more. So we look for where's money going to taxes and that lost wealth because you pay it, it's called an opportunity cost. So anytime you have a cost, that you pay for something that you do not get a return of enjoyment or return of your on your money, not just of your money, but on your money, mm -hmm. then you have lost future opportunity. That, and most people will lose about 70% of their wealth over their lifetime to taxes, opportunity costs, 
and fees for managing the money. Fees is a big one. That's a big one. A 1% fee, just a 1% fee on an investment portfolio over 50 years will cost someone 33 to 36% of the real dollars they would have had. That's just insane. a 1% fee. That's one and third it, of their portfolio. Yeah. And yet, and yet they're the ones taking all the risk. All the risk. Right? All they the take all the risk. They put up all the capital and they're paying someone a 1% fee over, like you said, 50 years and it's compounded, right? That that fee is compounded as their portfolio grows. That fee yeah. gets compounded and they're giving one third of their wealth away to an advisor when whether they win and even when they lose. And this is what made me really unhappy after 17 years in the business because I remember in 2008, I had clients calling me crying that they've lost 40 to 50% of their portfolio. They're five years away from retirement and they're down 40 to 50%. And they're like, what do I do? And I said, don't sell. You've got to stay in the market. But guess what? Guess who still got paid? This guy. I yeah. still got paid. And that did not make me feel good. And it got to a point where I would get up, look in the mirror, getting ready for work. And I did not like what I saw. I'm like, I don't like what I do anymore. This is not what I planned for. I'm not making people wealthy. And that's when I decided to make the change. I said, I got to get out of this business. I sold my book of port, my, my book of business to someone else in the firm. And I decided to create um, an organization for myself where I'm really helping people with their money being more efficient. And like you say, is showing them where they're losing money unknowingly and unnecessarily. Like you said, taxes and fees. And there's another big one that people have no clue about, but you and I, we, we touch on this all the time and is RRSPs. Yeah. Uh, they're gonna they're give they're giving away so much tax they have no clue they think they're saving tax but they're deferring the tax and the tax calculation to some unknown number right to a unknown number yeah you know what you really give up through that process too is control because you're giving it control to Wall Street and then you're giving control also to revenue revenue Canada yeah whatever the eventual tax will be. Uh, and that's true in the in the U.S. as well. Uh, we have a lot of people here you, in Canada. You actually have a little more flexibility on liquidating the funds while you're still employed there. In the U.S., you have to terminate employment to get the money from those type plans. But where they're exactly the same, you mentioned some losses. There's going to be. It's not a a plan that stops at retirement. The day you retire, it's a plan that you keep your entire lifetime, because nobody takes lump sum distributions when it's time to take their money out. They say, I don't want to pay all that tax at once. It's higher now that I, and when I started up, you, you have to pay tax on the gain, not just what you contributed to it. Right. Yeah. And so the government gets to participate in your gains. And then you take as the income as long as possible over your lifetime. And hopefully it will last. And then you have to hear about this safe withdrawal rate. And it says you'll take as little money as possible with the least amount of risk over a long period of time, which fits what financial institutions want you to do, right? Yeah. The longer, longer the money's there, the more money they make to manage it. They want to hold on to it. They're asset gatherers. They get paid on assets. That's right. Yeah, I'm not is. against, I, I wouldn't be, I'm not against those firms for doing that, creating profit. Here's what I'm against. I'm against confiscation of wealth out of not knowing how to play the game. Yeah. Most people have what they have because of the limitations of what they know to do with money. Uh, most simplest terms, I usually say, you know, the stuff that you have is because you don't know a better way. If you knew a better way, you'd have a lot more stuff. And most of it would come just from the money you're currently giving away to losses that you would bring back to your life for something of a real return on it. That's why and I love, that's why I love working with you, Trent, is because you taught me eight, nine years ago you taught me how to educate and teach my clients how to play the money game. I never knew that. 17 years in the business, I didn't know how to play the money game. I played the game the way the banks wanted me to play the game. And their advice benefits them. It doesn't benefit the people. And you showed me a different way nine years ago on really how to play the money game and really create wealth for people.
And I uh, appreciate you. Thank you. I know you are. I've seen seen the work you're doing. Something you just said. Yeah, I've been speaking to a lot in the last few years. And that is, you know, the those financial institutions, they're not teaching us as consumers how to win. They, they don't care if you win or not. They just want you in the game for life. That's it. As long as you stay in the game, they are always going to win. And then you have to make decisions on something called risk. And if you look up the definition of risk, that is the probability of loss, not the likelihood of gain. Mm -hmm. And Wall Street or, and, or Bay Street have combined with marketing to somehow correlate the fact that if you take higher risk, you will somehow get a higher reward. And there's no correlation to that at all. That's 100% marketing. You could take low, quote unquote, risk savings and investments programs, get a dollar to do the job of more than $1 at the same time and, and get 15, 18, 20% rates of returns consistently by teaching how those pieces work together and, and recovering the losses that you would have had doing it the other way. I love, I love Garrett. Garrett's got a really great saying. He says, you know, they're always talking to about, uh, you know, what's your risk tolerance. And if you want to get higher rates of return, you must uh, have a high risk tolerance. So he says, if, so what you're telling me is to increase my chances of winning, I have to increase my chances of losing. Who wants that plan? I yeah. don't. Yeah. <laughs> Garrett and I were in a meeting together with a gentleman that, it was a professor or a bond manager. This was 20 years ago, John. And he said, Garrett asked, I said, well, what's your risk tolerance? I said, before you answer the question, here's what the, the question I really want to ask you about that is, what's your tolerance to loss? How much of your own money are you willing to lose before it's a good idea to make a change? That's a great question. Really is it yeah, when you were an asset manager, when you were working through that, and you you said you stay in this for the long term, you know, can't sell now. You know, that's a true statement. There's a point where you get so low in the if market has gone down that you don't really have a choice except to work from hope. If you don't have some asset outside of the market that could offset that, and and that's a scary that's scary if you don't know how to play the game. Yeah. So you mentioned there are investments out there, how you can take a dollar and create more babies out of that. Mm -hmm. um, you know, we, we talk about the banks and what they, what they talk about, um, you know, it's accumulation theory of money, but that's not what the banks do. The banks, they create velocity. Talk about some of those investments um, that create velocity. Yeah, velocity, if you look that up in the dictionary, is the speed and direction. Speed and direction. So if you have the ability to control the speed and direction of which your money grows, meaning you can move it, then you have a better opportunity for winning. So what are some of those assets? So the ones that, and you'll probably like these statements, real estate's a good one because it has moving parts. It has some tax benefits of ownership. It's got you know, rental income, and it, it's a good asset to own during inflation. You've got permanent guaranteed whole life insurance that has three guaranteed parts and for the cash value, death benefit, and a fixed premium. So that's also an inflation hedge. And it has dividends that come in as income similar to rent that you can redeploy in a different asset to create another return someplace else. Or you could, both of those assets, you can also borrow against, use them as collateral. You remove equity. You're not really removing it. You're borrowing it against it, not from it. So now you actually do have money growing in two different places at the same time, maybe more. And then uh, you, back to the life insurance for a moment, it, it impacts so many other things. I mean, you could have the ability to have deposits continue if you get disabled. Now, if I have my tenants, this is a strategy we've done. If I have the tenants in my real estate funding income to me, and then I move that income to a life insurance contract with disability waiver premium on it. If I were to get disabled for longer than six months, 
a family would get to keep the rents, the insurance company would pay the premium, and the cash that's growing in the policy would be accessible to me. So I literally could have twice as much cash flow if I'm unable to work versus half as much that or less that most people get by not having that protection. And it's also, uh, we know about the death benefit, that's an estate plan uh, and it passes, bypasses probate. That, that's a huge event. It's tax-free if you access it appropriately uh, for income. If you own it in a, in a business, phenomenal tool to transfer business wealth to personal wealth without the taxes that most people have to deal with. That's huge, especially here in Canada. Yeah. Because we get we get taxed. Well, here in Ontario, we're taxed at uh, 54%. So I've, I work with a lot of a lot of business owners. And they've got so much money sitting inside their corporation. They, they don't they don't know how to get it out. And I show them a a strategy using a life insurance policy. It's a corporately owned life insurance policy. And the holding company owns the policy. They move the money into the policy and they get to personally access those funds tax-free. Right. Right. And all they have to do is, listen, there's going to be an interest rate charge. You know, the insurance company is going to charge an interest rate, you know, prime plus 2%, you know. So I always say to people, would you rather pay 7% or 54%? Yeah, that's good. And you, I guess you also get to use that capital dividend account, right? That, through through we, that approach. We have a capital dividend account. So now what happens is when the when the shareholder dies or the, the person dies, all the money gets paid into his corporation and it lands on the capital dividend account, which a credit, if anybody doesn't understand what a capital dividend account is, it's an account within a business that any surpluses, you have a tax-free credit and they can flow out to the shareholders tax-free. Now, if I had a large life insurance policy and I got money out of my corporation, I put it into this policy over 10, 15, 20 years, I built up a massive cash value. I could leverage that with a bank. And I can get tax-free income for the rest of my life and then not pay, not even pay the bank back because it gets deducted from the death benefit. So the insurance company pays my corporation the value of the death benefit. My corporation has a promissory note with the bank. They pay the bank back all the loans plus interest. There's, there's some cash left in the account. But what the biggest thing is, is I still have a massive capital dividend credit based on the value of the death benefit. So if I have other assets sitting inside this corporation, like real estate, let's say it's 10 million bucks, my family or my beneficiaries can sell all those assets and the first 10 million of capital gains is negated by yeah. the CDA. So we, we, we have this here in Canada and it's, it's massive. Accountants love, I love, they, they love using these type of policies for business owners to get money out and to create, you know, make, take, take $1 and create two or $3 out of it. That's right. Now you, you do need to know how to do that, right? Obviously you do. And there's a few others that do, but that's not something that all the financial world knows how to do in Canada or even the accounting firms. No. And this is, this is not financial advice. Don't go try doing this on your own. You need yeah. to work with an accountant uh, who really understands the moving parts of this. I understand the moving parts of this. I work with accountants all the time. And and this is something that is not just something you want to do on your own. Right. That's good. That's like, you know, you want to drive the Ferrari, but you want to have the helmet on a safe track when you go do that. Right? <laughs> exactly. So let's talk about um, misinformation out there. You know, there are... So many, you know, I call them wannabe advisors that think they they understand uh, life insurance products and taxes. And, you know, I always say, you, you, you taught me this. You don't know what you don't know. Mm -hmm. And these guys are out there and anybody can just go on Google and you know, can get lots of different types of information. What, how do you suggest cutting through all the noise and the misinformation out there, especially in the internet and the social media? Well, one, you, you need to, you really need to work with someone who does know this information. You need to also work through a, what I would, and with an advisor who uses a system 
that helps verify your information. Don't just listen to something on TikTok and go make a decision about it because it sounded good. That's a great starting point. That's a great way to get you know, people's attention to be aware of their financial condition. But then you need to go have someone who can help you study and know what questions to ask. That's where I see a lot of people get fouled up by misinformation is they, they don't ask for the supporting documents. They don't have the tax returns. They don't have the information that says you have a deduction available to you that you're not using. You got to know who to ask about those pieces. They don't know about how does a life insurance policy actually work. If they had a sales manager train an agent on something called capital needs analysis, which is a way for you to, for them to determine, do you need life insurance or any type of insurance? But the moment that you follow that plan, it's outdated if you haven't protected your life for economic life value, the replacement the income that would be lost if you're no longer able to work or no longer here. So you got to work with people who are, who have had some education. They don't have to have all the degrees, but they do need to prove that they have that one, that they're doing what they, what they're teaching. You want to know that. And you want to know that they are utilizing a system that provides the evidence and the, the ability to communicate to the consumer, how these programs actually work. Don't just take people's words for it. So I'm really big on social media. I have uh, my Instagram. I have 24,000 people that follow me. My TikTok, I have 34,000. How would, what's your advice to people who say are following me? How would they know that I'm legit in what I do? That's good. So one, I would say, uh, I would I would want to ask, are you walking the walk, not just talking the talk? I know you are because... I've seen you uh, in the, yeah. like you said, eight or nine years. I know what you've learned and I know the questions that we've walked through together. I know what you're doing in your own life. I want to know if I'm the, if I'm the client working with you, I would want to get some testimonials from other clients. Do you have references? Not many, just one or two, because it's really not your, your client's job to be your reference source, right? They're not, they would love to share you with others as long as you can still help them but it's not really their job to be your full-time reference person. I would, if you're in my life, I have people say, what are you doing? And so I show them what I've done. I don't just say it. I mean, we'll lay the policies out. We'll lay the real estate out. We'll show the moves that we've done. We'll show if we, if necessary, it is private. So we do share the information when we feel comfortable sharing, sharing that info so, so that people can see how we do actually work. If you're working with, you mentioned working with accountants. Um, if account if an accountant is referring you to an you to someone else, that would be an awfully strong referral. They should know that you're legit and you're doing exactly what you say, and your lifestyle that that I watched you live with your family and the assets that you have. It, that's that's an easy trail to follow, right? Yeah. So yeah. you've got experience too. You've been around. Uh, so it, do, do your due diligence. You got to yeah. do your due diligence. Yeah, do your work. And it's, just, and it's just, you know, it's just going back to what you said about accountants. I had a call today uh, with someone who who was referred by an accountant who I do work with. And uh, at the end of the call, he says, you know, what's next? I said, well, I'm going to send you a four-page confidential questionnaire. I need you to complete it and list all your financial assets and all your liabilities and everywhere you're spending money for me to really take a look at and find your uh, find out, uh, you know, your financial leaks. And he said, normally I wouldn't feel comfortable doing this, but you came as a referral from my accountant. And so I trust you. That's good. Yeah. You know, something that surprised me, I don't know why it surprised me. You know, I've been doing this now for 35 years. There are an awful lot of advisors that never gather financial information. They come in to pitch a product, yeah. not to not to look to create strategies. Look and for a sale. Ask, yeah. Why guess? Why why just pitch something? Why not come in and know for sure that you're going to create certainty of additional wealth? And to do that, you got to know what all the information is. Here's the way I would say that. You've heard me say this. So I'd say, John, if we're working together, there's two ways we could do that. There's a way that most of the typical advisors do it. They're going to come in and use sales hype and illustrations and glossies and 
and and try to convince you of that you need the product that they have to offer and they're going to build everything around that or we could use the facts we could say where are you today where is it you want to go and what are the things that are going to keep you from getting there based on what you currently own that's those losses we were talking about and all the exposed risks when things go wrong so if we could together together not me going and doing all these illustrations and all this sales hype come back together and actually design strategies that are factual, that put you in a better place because you know the financial physics, the cause and effect of a financial decision. If you can recover those dollars that are going away and put it back in your own life to use again, and we do this factually, you'll tell me what you want to do if I'm your advisor. I don't have to pitch you on anything. We will design together what actions you want to take right now to improve based on the what would be the deficiencies in the plan that you currently have put in place. And there's too many advisors out there that are just simply looking to make a sale. Yeah. And that's that's not the business I'm in. I'm in the business of helping people. And the only way you can help them is exactly what you said. We need to get all of the information find out where you are transferring away money unknowingly and unnecessarily. And how can we bring those dollars back without taking additional risk? Mm, that's right. Can you imagine going to the doctor? Uh, you've been a bodybuilder, do a, a lot of training today. And if you went in and said you had a shoulder problem and you go to the doctor and said, ah, doctor, my shoulder hurts. And he said, oh, here's some morphine. Let's take, let's do this. <laughs> And all he, all he knows is that you have pain in your shoulder. He doesn't know if you're allergic to morphine. He doesn't know if you're taking other drugs. He didn't know what caused the injury. He didn't take any x-rays. What would you call that? Incompetent. Yeah, incompetent. Malpractice. Malpractice coming. Yeah. yeah. So why, why would we allow what I think is probably one of the most important advisors you can have in your life is the one that's going to help you keep more of the money you earn and then earn more of the money you keep. Why would you let them just come in and say, Hey, here's your morphine. Makes no sense to me. Yeah. Another important issue that I want to talk about with you. Um, pundits like Dave Ramsey, Susie Orman. I know, I know you know where I'm going with this. I get all the time wannabe advisors or guys that are working for Primerica or just people who watch too many Dave Ramsey show call whole life insurance, crap insurance. They, they are the belief by term invest the difference. Why doesn't that strategy ever work? Great question. Nearly every bit of financial advice from typical advisors is one form of that by term and invest the rest. So I, I'm going to answer it, but I'm going to, I'm going to do it by asking questions first. By the way, I actually, Dave Ramsey's here in my backyard, right? And when he first <laughs> got on the radio, yeah. yeah, when he first got on the radio, he was referring me for the disability insurance to the people. That was, that's been a long time. Uh, and I think we wrote one policy and I think compensation to me was $25 because none of the other people were working that came from the radio show to us. They were out of jobs. They were in debt. So I would have to question who's the audience to begin with. But here's the questions on the buy term investor rest. If you buy term insurance, term insurance is a temporary protection. There's, there are no problems with term insurance. It's a good thing to protect your family. As for building wealth, it's a, it's a, it's not a good strategy at all because it's guaranteed to be zero. I don't know anyone who would like to have a claim on term insurance. They buy it to protect their family if they were to die by age of retirement, let's say. And most people intend to live beyond the age of retirement in a full life. That's just a gamble. So, I don't want to win. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I want the, the certainty. Yes. <laughs> I want the certainty. So the other thing you have to do, let, let's say I'm going to, I'll put some number to this for the story. So let's say that someone has a total of $12,000 that they're going to use for investment in life insurance. The life insurance costs $1,000 a year, let's say for 30 years. And they're going to put the $11,000 a year into, in this case, based if you listen to Dave Ramsey or Susan Norman, they would say put it in your RSP in Canada 
or your 401k in the United States, which means you got to take risk on that money. But what if you get disabled? What happens to the plan? Falls apart. It falls apart. Everything falls apart. It all falls apart because nobody's putting the money in the retirement plan. You're no longer an employee. You don't have earned income. You can't make the contribution. So if you could guarantee the deposits in the event of your disability to your financial life, would you want those words added to your financial life? Absolutely. If you could, let's find a way to do it. Let's put, in fact, let's create an action now list and we'll put that on there. Another thing that would have to happen is let's say we do get a good return. Let's say we do get that 10%, 12% rate of return for those 30 years of time. Well, I didn't get to use the money along the way to do anything. So reach over the fence and look at my statement and say, man, I hope I got some money today. Maybe you did that day. Maybe you didn't. It could have gone down. You mentioned earlier the asset managers are getting paid the entire time. So if you're not, if, if you're limited to the amount of money you could put in over that time, this wouldn't be your business owners and wealthier clients. This would be most people that you that would hear a show. Well, then they may have to go borrow money from another institution to live for today, which means there's going to be another loss of wealth, and that's going to be interest to banks for things that they want to have right now instead of finding a way to capture and capitalize their own banking process. Another thing that will happen is if it did earn that money while it accumulated and now it's time to take it for distribution to pay you during retirement. Most people are going to take less risk when they're older for the fear of running out of money, because now all you have is the money that's left. So now you can't touch the principal the, because you don't have life insurance. You bought term insurance. It's expired. So if you were to, take too much money out to live now from the portfolio that you have and the economy causes the market to go down while you're pulling it out, you have two choices. The choices are either you take less money to live on, which is not a great choice, or you take more risk, which is also not a good choice because now you have more opportunity to lose. And when that's the only source of income you have later in life, you certainly don't want to be taking more risk then those plans don't hold up. If I have, I'm just going to give a potential strategy and opposing view because you mentioned who you mentioned. So if that same amount, let's say the whole 12,000 were to go into life insurance first, the whole life insurance, and it had the words disability waiver premium. First of all, I have protection that says, if I get disabled, they're going to fund it for me. You said you would like that if you could get it. That's a financial industry exclusive. That's the only financial product available that has it. So if that's the case and I want to protect my deposits and I want to protect my income, do I want to protect just a little bit or all I can? As much as I can for as long as I can. Mm -hmm. And then when I have a guaranteed death benefit, it doesn't stop when I retire. It's continuing to grow even if I stop funding it. And it's going to be there until the end of life. And this is something that we all have to think about. And when I say this, usually people say, yeah, that makes sense, but it just flies right over their head. You got to take this in and let it simmer for a minute. We all live until we don't. That's some simple words. But if you're matching the plan of investment to live a long life, then the only way to have permission to use all that you accumulate outside of the insurance and in the insurance is to guarantee a death benefit for when life ends, not if it ends. So what whole life does is that it removes the ifs, puts it in a W-H-E-N, when it occurs, so that you can move. It also creates W-I-N wins, because now you have a certainty of planning. There's a minimum return you're going to have based on the performance of the insurance. But if you have access to the capital as you go, as you described a few ways already, now you can create in another area, other assets like real estate, like cash flow, multiple properties throughout your lifetime. And by the time you get to retirement, you may have you know, 10, 12, 15 properties all paid off, no debt on them, all cash flowing that may exceed what you were earning when you were working. 
And then if the death benefit's there, now we have strategies to liquidate some of those properties, maybe even create charitable moves there in Canada where you could get a tax-free income from a trust, donate to a charity, and get an income off the asset that you had this big appreciation in and not have to pay all the taxes. That's a really good point. What yeah. what I what I love what I love about whole life insurance, number one term insurance here in Canada, I think it's the same same as the US has got an 89.9% chance of not being there when you need it, simply mm -hmm. because it gets too expensive in retirement. And these are built that they just keep getting more expensive. So you end up canceling it. Now you have zero insurance. And if you listen to Dave Ramsey, he says, well, you don't need insurance then because now you've got all these assets and you're self-funded. I don't know about you, but I don't want to pay a dollar to get a dollar. I'd like to transfer the risk and pay a nickel to get a dollar. Absolutely. Right. And, yeah. you know, the one thing that I love, the other, the other the one, there's so many things I love about whole life is that I can, I know that, what I want to happen will happen. And I get to spend all of my money and then have it all replaced on death for my family. You have access to the capital. Could you not use that capital to build your own business that has some type of outcome that you control? Oh yeah. And you've got the, uh, you've got the lifetime benefit. You've got access it during your lifetime. That's, there's just so many amazing things about it that I think, uh, you know, Dave Ramsey, gets a lot of things right. He's fantastic for getting you out of debt, but I just think he's got a really biased opinion to whole life insurance. And he's based on, you know, going back how policies were structured 30, 40, 50 years ago, not how they're doing it today. And again, you got to have an ethical advisor who's really going to set these up. That's going to be right for you, not right for their pockets. And I think those, those type of advisors are given the industry a really bad name. Um, you, you've got several programs going on. You've got the uh, Courageous Advisors Mastermind Group, and you've got the Game Time Coaching Program. Tell us a little bit more about those programs and how any advisors who are listening to the show, how they can contact you and get coaching from you. Thank you for uh, for asking me to share that. Um, if you're I have three programs. So the game time coaching is four, I guess. It's broken into three components. Game time coaching is a one-on-one, -on -one, six-month coaching program where we have a minimum of a one-hour call every week. It's recorded. That's what I was doing with you. That's what you were doing with this, right? What we do is we, we I meet you where you are in your practice. I'm going to ask you everything about what are you doing? What's, what's your objectives? Who's your client? Who's your ideal client? What's your structured calendar look like i want to know are you really in this business or are you just kind of winging it which uh, most people are winging it right yeah so yeah. i want you to help identify exactly who your ideal client is so for for the the first two levels there's for the people that have been in the business for less than three years and they earn less than a hundred thousand a year i try to make it affordable for them this is going to sound you know, kind of steep when i first say it but I'm a no out-of-pocket cost to people that use the information. So if they are brand new for over six months, it would be $12,500 U.S. dollars. And I let them start for a $1,000 deposit. And nearly all of the rest of the payment comes from the gains from doing the things I teach you to do, how to be more effective, how to find those lost dollars for your client. And I have, I, I didn't have that when, I first met you because my son wasn't in the business yet. And because he got in the business and then Kim Butler and Todd Langford were referring me new people that were coming to them to coach. I created a plan for inexperienced people. Then there's the more experienced people. That's the people. This is the majority of the clients that I talked to. This is where you started with me. It's the same programs. We talk every week. You, you can get me more than an hour. If you need me during that week, I set aside a third of my, schedule for this group of people if they need to do any type of joint case work or need counts you know case counseling or um, if you need me to do some wordsmithing on how you're communicating to somebody um, that's twenty five thousand dollars per six months uh, after you've been with me for a while we, we i run the fee down a little bit we get a little different approach then there's my 
what I call the million dollar program, the million dollar club. And you have to prove to me that you're already earning over a half million dollars uh, in your current where you're at. And then and you got to do that both by either your production reports or your tax returns. But you're telling me I want to earn a million dollars. I'll learn how to earn a million dollars in a year or more. And now that's like a hundred thousand dollar fee. Um, they all have discounts for paying up front. But you talk to me as often as you want. Now, the truth is that group talks to me the least out of everybody <laughs> because one, they're busy, they're working. But when we spend time together, we make significant improvements. I now have over 23 advisors who are making multiple millions of dollars a year annually. But I, I don't want people to hear that and say, oh, he's just talking about earning income himself. The only way that you as an advisor will earn any income is causing your client to win first. And where you create value for them, you'll get rewarded very well. Income follows value by created. And for those advisors who that is their approach, like you, which is to create more for the people you work with, then that's a very easy approach. The Courageous Advisor Program is a group call. And it's included in the, those I just told you about. But if you got only into the group program, I, I switched this three years ago to $2,500 for the whole year. We have about three calls a month. Sometime we have four in October, we're having four. But in December, I'm only having one. So throughout the year, we'll average about three calls a, a month. Those are recorded. But now you're getting the best practices. What were the challenges that these advisors had last week? What are we going to do this next week to make you more accountable, to make you more effective? Uh, what strategies do you see? What tax situations are coming up right now that need to be a, a more attention to for the last quarter of the year? And so we'll we'll communicate even the language and the questions and role play and actual cases that we'll walk through in those hours to help help train the advisors. That's also recorded. I send that out whether you can make it or not. If you're a member of the program, that's, that's been for 15 years. I've probably has now about 630 people go through the 630 to 650 go through the group program. I keep it relatively small on purpose, John. I, I, I still turn away advisors. So if you're going to be a negative Nelly, somebody's going to be arguing all the time and telling us what to do, then we're probably not a good fit. You know what I love about those group calls is uh, you're you're getting also to share with other advisors and how they were able to get over uh, a yeah. situation that they had. So you know, without even me speaking up, I might have had a situation where the case and listening to another advisor and how he was able to deal with it, I was able to learn from that. So what I love about the group calls is that you get to learn from other advisors what they're what they're doing in their practice i don't right. know i just seem to find that the more people i help i help myself i agree and you've been a big help to a lot of people in that group by speaking up and sharing and also you might mention i think you just did but it's the camaraderie that you build with those other advisors because i give you all their info yeah. you can contact everybody without me that's that's been very very powerful Trent, this has been great. I just, I feel that we can go on for another couple hours, but I try to keep my shows under an hour. And the reason why I do that is because if you're driving in your car and you're listening and you're going to work, your drive time is usually 45 to 60 minutes. Or if you're in the gym working out, then uh, you're probably working out for 45 to 60 minutes. But if you are listening to the show, please head over to our YouTube and you can actually watch the show live. And don't forget to check us out and follow us on Instagram and TikTok. It's John Durbano. Thanks, everybody. And we'll see you next time. Trent, thank you so much. Thank you, John. Proud of you. Thanks, pal.